What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Making the Turn, the premier green industry podcast that highlights professionals across many areas, including golf course management, sports turf, sales, business, education, landscaping, and more. Making the Turn is hosted by me, BJ Parker. I've spent nearly 25 years in the green industry, mostly as a golf course superintendent, and now I want to bring the knowledge and insight from myself and the many people I've met and continue to meet along the way. Making the Turn will provide valuable content for those looking to learn from others, gain useful tips and tricks, and be better in their daily lives. You can find Making the Turn on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe. It helps keep the podcast growing and getting better. Thanks for listening, and welcome to another episode of the Making the Turn podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, BJ Parker, and I appreciate you joining me. And thank you. Thank you for listening wherever you are in the world, the country, United States. I appreciate it. It's been a fun ride and enjoying doing this. And today I've got a friend of mine. I've known him for a while. He, he uh, was willing to come on and let me pick his brain about his life and the golf business and all. And uh, so um, if you see him out and around, just uh, say hi to him. Say, you know, tell him what you enjoyed about the podcast. But uh, his name is Sims Hill. He's one of the partners with Premier Golf Services. And I appreciate you joining me, my man. BJ, thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate it, man. I, I we talked uh, before we came on and started recording that uh, you're, you've got a new little gig going. I want to get into all that and and certainly want to go down that road. But uh, how you been? How's everything? Man, good, real good. Yeah. Um, family's great. Kids are good. Yeah. Wife's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's a really good time. Right cool. Now. Well, let's uh, let's th- let's kick this off down the road, and uh, I know there's a lot of things that I know about you, but some things that that uh, we'll learn along the way. But uh, you, you, I have you on because I, I I typically talk golf and and turf, and and you're not in that area a little bit, but you've been around golf for a long time, and uh, so walk me down your path, uh, your career, sort of why golf has led you to where you are now, and uh, some of your excitement, and some of the things that golf has meant to you and done for you in your career. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, started playing golf when I was a kid, hanging around the guys yeah. at the country club. Um, learned a lot of great things from them. Uh, also learned a lot of not so great things uh, yeah. from them, uh, <laughs> as you would as a 15, 16 year old getting introduced to, to where'd golf. You, where'd you grow up? Augusta, Georgia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So yep. uh, we were at, we we lived at a place called Westlake Country Club. Longtime golf professional Mark Darnell was there from probably since before baseball started until maybe 10 or 15 years ago. But, um, you know, one of the things that I always remember from Mr. Darnell was uh, just taking care of the golf course, leaving it better than than you found it. Uh, And that's something that even to this day, it's something I share with my children. No no piece of trash is ever left on the ground. Uh, Nothing that's upside down is not uh, turned right side up. And so really that's, that's stuck with me for ever since I was a kid. And, um, yeah, growing up around golf in Augusta, knowing that um, there's a lot of guys out there that can get the ball in the hole a lot faster right. than I can. Yeah. I never had any uh, figments of my imagination that I would be a golf prof- or a professional golfer. Right. But I always loved the game and loved being around it. I loved um, the connectivity, the friendship, the fellowship, and uh, that's what drew me to be wanting to be a golf professional at yeah. an early age. And so. 
uh, not because I could play well, but because I enjoyed the business of golf, the aspects of, of those things, as I mentioned earlier, that's what drew me into the golf business. So you, um, you were a pre, uh, you, you became an assistant professional or you got head, uh, you weren't a head golf professional, were you? Well, I, I did a little, I did a couple of runs in the golf business yeah. and, uh, I did, I was a class A golf professional and I was an A1, which is a head professional sure. at the club where I work before I came to golf club, gotcha. but the opportunity to come to golf club of Tennessee and work alongside Will and yep. Doug and those guys and yourself, uh, it, it really, it was not, it was a no brainer for me to go yep. back to the, the title of assistant golf professional, or I think it's an A8, I think is what the designation is. Right. But yeah, once I had the opportunity to come back and work at the golf club, I thought, well, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, as a special place, and that's and and that's where our relationship began. And it was exactly. Yeah. What, when did you start there? So I interned there in '96. Yeah. I was there in uh, summer, fall of '96. Came back full time in February of '01. Uh huh. And so I was there for uh, '01 through '05. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I started in '97 and left in '04. Okay, I was there pretty much straight through. So yeah, yeah. So you studied? Um, did you? You went to Mississippi State, correct? I did. And that's yeah. where you got uh, cut your teeth in the learning the golf business. Exactly. Tell me about that. Man, it was fantastic. <laughs> uh, I, I love I love Mississippi State. I love the golf management program. Yeah. Um, There's a ton of fantastic guys I got to connect with uh, over the years down yep. there, and really. Work, started working on the golf course, I guess, my freshman year. Yeah. They um, they had starters, and as a starter, you could get a golf car and you could get free-range balls. And so I thought, what better way to, to, to do it? And, yeah. you know, you work a couple hours a week, and um, <laughs> and you get you get to ride in a golf car and you get to hit, hit free-range balls and two things that I needed. And yeah. um, oddly enough <laughs> – that was the first time I ever got fired from a job. There you go. <laughs> I uh, slept through my alarm, as one may do on a Friday into Saturday morning. And, oh. uh, <laughs> we could we could tell stories about ourselves, about working as teenagers and college guys as in, in the golf business. I, that's a that'd be an interesting uh, podcast for in, on it, on its own for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I, there was there was a redemptive part to it. I did right. get, I did get a job back, and I ended up working in the golf shop. So I worked in the golf shop at Mississippi State's golf course the entire time I was in college from my sophomore year on. Yep. And had some really great internships. Uh, interned at Augusta Country Club. Interned at uh, Golf Club of Tennessee, and then I, my last internship was at Long Cove Club down right. in Hilton Head. Oh yeah. So some really great clubs, some really great places to live, and, and great uh, people to work with, and really just got to learn how to serve people and how to yep. do for people and how to um, make them feel like they're the most important thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I think most people that are in golf or are having a career in golf one way or another, usually kind of on our end where we've been – working in the golf business, whether it be a, a club professional or, in my case, a superintendent. I think we all got started, like, doing the – picking the range and working at the golf course because that, that's all I wanted to do was – I wanted to work at the golf course. I love the game, but I really wanted to work there because I didn't have to pay, you know, and, and play golf, and I could do – play as much golf as I wanted to. And I know that's probably why you uh, – you know, how you are. And, and uh, that – I think most people have the similar story. 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, people, I think people get in the golf business for one or two reasons. One, they think they're going to play a bunch of golf all the time, which right. is depending on your level of uh, expertise in the club where you are, yeah. that, that could be true or not true. And the other thing, like you said, they just like to be around it. Like yeah. I, I loved being around it. And even though my parents were members of the country club, when I was 16 or 17, I got a job at a public golf course right down the way just because it was a free place to play. Yeah. And I, I was exactly where I was, picking range balls, washing golf yep. cars, washing golf balls. Um, oddly enough, I, I, I saw my life flash before my eyes at that golf course <laughs> coming down the 18th hole. Um, I was in the golf car with a guy who's been on tour for like 20 years now. And the golf car started sliding, fishtailing. I thought, oh, God, no, please do not <laughs> kill Charles Howell. Please do not. <laughs> yeah. So uh, at any rate, uh, just a funny little sidebar there. But, yeah, so yeah. I, I just love being around it. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's it's all I've really ever known. Um, I got, you know, I started out and I don't know if I really wanted to be a professional. I I was I never really thought about the work ethic until I saw that you how much you had to put into it. Sure. And that was always the tough thing for me was to I mean, I got away well on what talent I had. You know, I played college golf and sure. I was able to kind of just sneak by. I never was really the, I was the one the coach always got mad about not practicing, but then I would I would play really well. Sure. You know, and I and when, when was the moment for you that you knew that you probably weren't going to play golf for a living? Do you have one? I think it was probably from the start. Yeah. I mean, like I, I mentioned Charles's name a minute ago. So my brother and I were neighbors with him growing up. Yeah. And at he's maybe four years younger than me. So I started playing golf hardcore when I was 16. That would have made him 10 or 11. And yeah. he had already won the Future Masters and AJGA and this, that, and the other. And I'm over here struggling to break 80. I'm <laughs> thinking, man, there's got to be a better way to make a living and still stay involved in golf. Right. And like I said, I mean, growing up in Augusta, every guy that played on the high school golf team thought that they were going to be the next Larry Mize. Yeah. And you can see there's – maybe two guys from Augusta, Vaughn Taylor and Charles Howell, that are on tour and that have sustained uh, a, a good living for 20-something yeah. years, and the rest of us are not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's interesting that you say that because, I mean, I don't know. It's not – I don't know what you – I don't know. It's like – it's not the home of golf, but it's, you know, it's just a place where everybody knows – uh, even if you don't really have a clue about golf, you know about the Masters, you know about Augusta, Georgia, and, and Augusta National, but you don't have a lot of people that, like, get into the game down there. Or, or and, and, and why is that? Is that because there's a lack of places to play? You know, you're, you're not – no, just no ordinary Joe is going to go play at Augusta National. I mean, so what is what was growing up in Augusta like and wanting to be in golf? I mean, what was that like? Well, there was a – I mean – the junior golf when I was growing up, I would I would say was pretty darn strong. Most of the guys that my brother and I grew up playing with played D1 college golf or yeah. played at some level in, in college and beyond. Um, but it's hard. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been following this guy. Um, but I think it's called Monday Q Info or A Case of the Golf something on, on Twitter. And he's posting all these scores that these guys are shooting, you know, 30-something yeah. under par for maybe a – 
five tournament run and here's a and the guy can't qualify. Yeah. I think it was by the grace of God that I did not try <laughs> to do that. That and the lack of talent. <laughs> but I mean, back to your point. Yeah. Um it's just hard. Yeah. And, and and I think a lot of guys that had good talent did not have the work ethic. Yeah. And um I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Well it definitely does. I know that that I wasn't willing to bang balls all day, every day, play golf. I mean, I, I, you know, one, the most famous golfer alive, Tiger, I mean, probably, in my opinion, the greatest. I mean, if you look at what his – he still does today, and he's that good. I mean, and, and you know, it's like I, I, I couldn't see myself doing that. I, I wish I could. I, I wish I had the, the mental capacity to do that. I mean, I, you know, I make excuses for everything in my life, just like most everybody does. But you know, you got to be—you got to be mentally tough, and you got to be uh, willing to put in the, the sacrifice. You know, and that goes with anything, really. And it's one of the things I like to do with this podcast is give people something that they can take home out of it. And I think that's the biggest thing is—is is, uh, you know, put in the work, put in the sacrifice, and you can be anything you want to be. And you know, unfortunately for us, it wasn't a golf pro. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, and I think that you know, there's a there is a People will say, hey, look, you put your mind to it, put your effort to it, and, and you can do whatever you want to do and be yeah. whatever you want to be. And to some extent, that's true. Um, but there's also, there's, things have to line up well. Yeah. And uh, things have to be, you know, uh, my brother's got a friend who's on the Champions Tour now, and he's 54, 55 years old, and he's been chasing it since 1996. Yeah. And had... I think he won one nationwide tour event way back when it was nationwide. He's won a couple of champions tour events, but I mean that guy has been grinding yeah. his rear end off for twenty five years. And it's um there's a lot better there's a lot easier ways to make a decent living. Yeah. Um, well you know, the the golf business is so vast and there's so and it and it's you know, it's a multi billion dollar industry and you know, and we've been able to, I mean, I know for me, the majority of my career, I've been able to be in it in some form or fashion. And, and um, you know, and there are other opportunities. And being in, on the turf side or the golf pro side, I mean, that there's just so many opportunities for uh, guys like us to, to, you know, be around golf but do, it and do something different. Because, I mean, what, there's 125 PGA Tour active members every year and a few, you know, so, and then you've got all these – so there's – there's just a small sample size of guys who are actually the ones that are really great. Yeah. And, and it's very difficult. Like you said, guy can go out there and shoot 30 under and he can't even sniff a, a tour card. Exactly. You know, that's, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. You know? And and there's the dogged perseverance of it. Yeah. And, sure. and knowing in your heart of hearts that this is who I, I'm designed to be and yeah. this is how I'm going to do it. And, and that it, it's an accumulation and a body of work. It's not one tournament. Yep. It's not one season. It is, this is where I want to be. These are the things I have to do. And in order for me to be successful, I have to do them consistently every single day. Ben Hogan said, every day I miss a day of practice, I got to work three times as hard the next three days yep. to make up for it. Yep. And it's an accumulation. It stacks on top of one another. Yep, for sure. Well, let, well let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now sure. uh, to service the golf industry. So you're with uh, Premier Golf Services, yeah. and you partnered up with the gentleman. So tell me a, a little bit about that, what your new role is, and sort of what you guys are doing, and uh, see uh, 
you know, just kind of how you're impacting the golf business now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my business partner is a guy named George Jones. Uh, not the country, not the country singer. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Uh, so George and I went to Mississippi State together, and George bought Premier Golf Services 10 or 12-odd years ago from another guy here in town. And George has worked his rear end off for the last 10 or 10 odd years yeah. to build the company into what it is today. And he and I, like I said, he and I have known each other for 20 some odd years and been friends and wanting to get back in the golf business and having some other um, job things that, that, that didn't go the way I wanted them to gave me the opportunity to yeah. pursue George and to get with him about coming on as a partner yeah and uh it's been a great partnership thus far and, and he's a wonderful guy and and um we we do well together we sure. have a couple employees we're, we're located down just a couple miles from here down here in franklin and uh, premier golf services is a great little company and what we do we help people basically with their event signage and so uh, where we started was with the nonprofit charity type events mm-hmm. so if you've got you know, John Smith's uh, raising some money for ALS, and, and he needs to get some, some tournament sponsors. Well, once he gets those sponsors, he wants to recognize them, and we can do that with some signage on the golf course. Uh, one of the ways that we've expanded our business is in the competitive arena. So we've done some work with the United States Golf Association, uh, with Nike Junior, and the Nike Junior Invitational, and various other golf associations and PGA of America sections, helping them brand their event or uh-huh. brand their tournament and in a way that it's consistent and that they know what they're going to get every time. And right. so what we can help them with is anything from T markers to, um, like I said, hole signs to um, custom flags to range dividers, anything that you see that ha- that you want to either promote your business or to promote your event on yep. when it's related to golf, we can help you with that. And one of the other ways that we help them is customizing uh, player gifts for them. Yeah. So, you know, you never want to go to a <laughs> scramble or a four. Is that the proper nomenclature? We'll call them a scramble. So yeah, you never want to go to call a, them scrambles. Yeah, you At never, least I do. Yeah. <laughs> you never want to show up to a, a four-person scramble and see a bag of tees and some free socks, yeah. you know, in the prize pack. And And what we try to stress with our clients and our customers is, if you're going to spend money on something for, for your players, they want to feel like they've got a good deal. And the last thing you want to do is see it in the sweater basket yeah. when you're cleaning up after the event. Um, and then another really uh, large part of our business is hole-in-one insurance. And so if you are you got a uh, brand-new Mercedes out on hole 14 at Golf Club, and if somebody makes a one, well, you have to insure that risk, and yeah. we can help customers and clients insure that risk. So how does that work? Do y'all do y'all sell them the actual insurance or sure yeah. yeah. So depending on the length of hole and the amount of the prize, there there's a there's premium a that's associated yeah. with that. Yeah, and so we can yeah. help them with that. Just yeah. so that I think we gave away um, maybe two cars last year. I think we've given a couple of ten thousand dollar prizes away. Yeah. Um, so that's always fun. Sure. So how does the how does the overall business work in terms of um, do you make, are these signs things that you have in house? Do y'all make them, uh, custom? That's, How does all that work? That's a great question. So we, we have a shop and we do all the signage in house okay. and it's all, 
it's, I mean, there's a template to some of it, but sure. it's all customized. So, <clears throat> if, excuse me, for the Club Managers Association of America, the volunteer chapter, we did their event a few weeks ago at the Grove. And by the way, that was the first time I've been out there. That place is awesome. Yeah. But I yeah. could see how you could shoot a big number. <laughs> did you get to talk to Doug? I did, yeah. yeah. Cool. I got to see Doug. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so we did whole whole signs for them with their logo on it. Um sponsor boards you know recognizing the sponsors that they had out there and what they'll do is they'll say hey look we've got this amount of budget or we want to do these things to recognize people or to differentiate ourselves and mm -hmm. what are some things that we can do to make it look different or to for it quite frankly to have a higher end tour level feel to it yeah and so any of the things that you see <coughs> excuse me any Don't of the worry. things that you see out there at the pga tour even up up to and including any of the signage we can help do that and yes we do we print it out right in our shop down there in franklin and no. we do all the graphics all the layout all the customization yeah now is that the the club or facilities after it's over with or how does that work do you or do y'all take all that back uh so it really just depends so yeah. we do have a rental program where we can rent the thing the signs to people or some of our customers uh, will purchase the framework or purchase the signage because they're going to use it year after year after yeah. year a lot of the charity and nonprofit events, you'll have to scrap those because they're not necessarily going to have the same sponsors <laughs> right, every year. Right. Uh, but uh, we do have quite a few golf uh, associations, PGA sections, and uh, courses that will uh, hire us to provide signage for them, and they'll store it there at the club. Yeah. Or at the association or at the golf house, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah golf house at Tennessee, TGA. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee section they've been really really good to us yeah shout out to them they're letting us use this facility today so I thought it was a cool kind of meeting place for yeah. us to get in uh, Chad's been great he's came on the podcast and he was fun to do yeah so, so we work with Chad on his side and we're yeah. with Adam Greeno on on the on the PGA side yeah cool so as far as uh, if somebody wanted to employ you guys to do what would they need to do they can reach out to us on the website it's premiergolfservices.com yep. Uh, they can in email me. It's shill at premiergolfservices.com yep. or shoot me a phone call. Yeah. yeah. And do you have, like, different packages of things that you do? Sure, I mean, yeah. Well, we've got something that's an entry level. Hey, we just – this is a fledgling event. We just need to, to put some signs together, and we've got a $500 budget. Happy to do that. Yep. Or we can go up and we can add some zeros and commas to it, like what we do for some of the national events. Yeah. Yeah, but it's – we really – are designing our, our business is designed so that you look as good as you can possibly look right and so that you can focus on what's important to you and right. if that's running a competitive event you're focusing on your players if that's running a nonprofit or or a corporate event you're focusing on your vendors or your customers or right. um, your donor your donor base yeah and what kind, what kind of team does that take to do, do you have you said you mentioned you have a few employees but mm -hmm. i imagine it's more broad than that yeah, during during busy season, we do employ seasonal yeah. employees, and we have some part-time guys uh, that, that come on board with us. Uh, I say guys, I'm sorry if there's any ladies yeah. listening. We do they, not. They listen. Uh, well, some ladies do. Well, <laughs> hey, y'all, um, we'd be happy to hire sure. uh, anyone that, yeah. that, that's willing to work. Uh, but I say that just to um, – so we do have, um, I guess, five full-time people that, that do the work and and yeah that when we start to do printing during the busy season yeah uh, our shop gets pretty darn hot in there and and uh, those printers are running yeah. um you know 12 14 hours a day 
I, I, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where do you see yourself, you know, short term and long term as far as mm -hmm. moving the business? You trying to grow into the PGA Tour? I know you said you're working with the USGA. Talk about maybe some of the long term aspects. Yeah. So thanks for asking. So w we always want to help as many clubs around town that we can. Yeah. And and really get a strong. Are y'all? I didn't mean to stop you, no. but are y'all just focusing right now on the Tennessee market? Or are you trying to? I know you said you do some national stuff, mm -hmm. but are you really kind of available anywhere? Yeah. Uh, w w our stuff can can be shipped yep. all over the country gotcha. uh, we we've shipped as far as uh, as hawaii we work with the university of hawaii uh, in, in their golf event gotcha. uh, we ship a lot of stuff to california for so i just got finished with um the saint mary's invitational out at poppy hills and okay. so uh shout out to coach hardy for helping us out yes, i know sir. they just had national signing day and he was pretty excited about his signees um so where we can expand our business certainly here in Middle Tennessee and working with as many courses as we can to help them with a fluid one-stop shop when it comes to helping their customers uh, on their Monday outing stuff, or even if they want to differentiate their club events. We've right. got some pretty cool packages for that, and we've uh, worked pretty extensively with some clubs around town just branding and helping them promote some of their neat events. Yeah. Um, but as far as where we see the business going, we'd like to expand. Uh, my partner, George, has moved to Mississippi, and, and he's working a lot down there and building that business. And we'd love to see our business have a national reach uh -huh. where we have boots on the ground, where our major players are. But certainly we can ship out to, to wherever we need to be. We have a great relationship with our shipping uh, company here. Um, but as far as the competitive stuff, I, I'm I'm really trying to help as many of the prominent national amateur events as we can yeah uh, we work with a lot of college golf programs as a matter of fact we'll be out in vegas in a couple of weeks where the coaches convention working with the men's and women's uh, coaches helping them get ready for their signage and for their upcoming seasons um, we saw something come across on twitter the other day that was pretty cool and we're going to be rolling out a new product there that's um gotta love the twitter sphere yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's um george saw something and um we had one of our production guys pounce on it. It's going to be yeah. pretty sharp. Uh, and then, yeah, we'd love to – we, we have a great relationship with the USGA, and we'd love to continue to work with them, and they're fantastic, and they're great to work with. Um, we just like to be able to scale up and expand into more events with them. Um, you know, the Corn Ferry Tour would be happy to work with. And, yep. and certainly, if, if we ever had the opportunity to, to serve the PGA Tour, we'd love to do that as well. Absolutely. Well, shout out to them. Hopefully, yeah. they'll. Hopefully, the the business will continue to grow, and it sounds awesome. I um, I know there's no. I'd be. I, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I'd be, um, dropping the ball totally if I didn't say we'd all. You know, the the hole in one insurance is something that is an opportunity that we're really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. So that was long term, short term, <laughs> all of it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I know they said there's no stupid questions, so but I'm going to ask one that might not be or what, but is it just purely golf? you just golf or do you do, like, other events so, as well? So, again, great question. We can do anything. Yeah. Uh, we uh, – our the, the, the partner that we have uh, in-house, he does a ton of signage for a lot of different gotcha. places, um, whether it be the YMCA of Middle Tennessee. A lot We work with a lot of churches. Right. But – as far as the event space, you know, um, fishing tournaments have sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, we did an event in Kentucky this year for a clay shoot, for a clay pigeon shoot. Uh, so anything where you're 
trying to recognize someone. And hey, um, Simplot is sponsoring whatever. Yep. Uh, we can help them. Uh, so really, there isn't there isn't anything that we can't do. And as a matter of fact, if anybody is going to um, the Nashville Public Library this weekend, we're putting a huge sign up down there. So it's yeah. it's a really intricate piece, and I think unfortunately it'll only be up about three or four hours. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. I may get you to. Um I'm doing the uh, Tennessee turf grass this yeah. year. I may get you to do a sign for me. Yeah, love like to. a little banner or yeah. something. I, I you can do I mean, it all. I might Bigger, have to small, have, I, we do it all. I, might have, it? I know. I'd have to have one. So, well, enough with the uh, Premier Golf yeah. Services promo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, look, that's but, all right. That's but um, so tell everybody again that your email where they can find you if you're on Twitter or anything sure, yeah. like that, and and uh, we'll rock on down the road on this deal. Yeah. So uh, our our website is premiergolfservices.com. Yep. And my email is just S Hill or Shill. S Hill at Premier Golf Services. Shill. Yeah. <laughs> S Hill at Premier Golf Services.com. Okay. Well, cool. Well, reach out to him, folks, if you're in need of signage or anything pretty much to promote your tournaments or whatever you got going into your golf, turf facility, whatever. It sounds like they can help you out. So, um, cool. I'm, I hope that, uh, I hope you get something out of that. So it'd be great. But, uh, so what have you gotten out of – what has golf given you that – why does it keep bringing you back? What is something that you sort of gravitate back to as far as golf is concerned and what, how it's been in your life? Good question. Um, I'm full of good questions. Man, you are. <laughs> You're a professional podcaster. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Man. And some people might differ with that opinion, but <laughs> – Hey, look, their opinion doesn't matter, right? It doesn't. I don't take anybody's opinion that matters. Did you lose him? I'm back. You got it. Yeah. You might have to mess with that. It's got a. If you pull, if you don't hear me in both ears, you can pull it out a little bit. Technical difficulties here, folks. There you go. Sorry, my bad. That's all right. Um, what brought me back? What brings me back to golf? Um, it's a great question. So when I left the golf business, I had this um, epiphanal moment. We were we had some guys coming in from Houston, yeah. some high rollers from I think River Oaks, Houston Country Club, Champions. And uh, it was the middle of the summer, and um, carrying these guys' bags and helping them get adjusted, you know, up in their room and get connected with their caddy. And I had this thought, man, I want to be that guy. Yeah. I want to be the guy who's getting served. Right. And so I went down a path that took me out of the golf business because I went down a path that I thought I should go on. And it... It was pretty cool. I mean, I got to do some really neat things. I worked for some great people. I served some great people. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was in a handful of different industries that I really feel like I had impact. And uh, about a little over a year ago, having a conversation with a friend, and I'll spare you all the gory details, but the gist of it was um, he said, Bud, you're in the wrong industry. You're in the wrong you're doing the wrong thing. And yeah. I was working for a great company, selling a great product, and had great people I worked with. But um, what he shared with me is, you're designed to serve. You were put on this earth to help people. Yeah. And you were put on this earth to serve and to help people in a way that's not um, where your value is not directly correlated to your paycheck. Mm-hmm. And I needed somebody to tell me that. Sure. And, uh, man, I slept so well that night. Yeah. Like, 
seriously the first good night's sleep that I'd had in a long time. And I woke up the next day and I thought, all right, I'm leaving what I'm doing. I don't know where the Lord's going to take me or what the next step's going to be. Right. But I know it's going to be with people. I know it's going to be serving. And I know it's going to be where I'm using my, you know, my highest and best use. And turns out it's golf. Yeah. And it's golf related. And, and granted, today I was punching in stuff on spreadsheets and sending emails <laughs> and had nothing to do with golf. Right. But, um, what we do, we print signs, we serve people, we put them in the ground. But, you know, I can't tell you how much money the companies that, or the nonprofits that we worked with this year have raised, you know, yeah. for what's important to them. And if in, I told somebody that, hey, well, it's not rocket surgery or what I'm doing, you know, I'm not saving lives. Well, no, I'm not. But maybe in a way, I, we are contributing. Sure. Part because of the, we're helping them part of the focus piece. on what's important to them, Absolutely. which is their donors, which yep. is their cause. Yep. And so I came back to the towards the golf business yep. um, to serve yep. and, and to be around people, um, and that's that's it. That's yep. a long, long-winded answer. Yep. Well, I have a, a little bit of a, a purpose behind that, asking that question, is because and you answered it. I mean, in the and you probably don't think you did, but you don't get in this business necessarily to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's more about the love of a game. It's a, a love of being around people. It's a, about being outside. It's about a game that we all love and enjoy. I mean, you know, I've been in a lot of different aspects of the game of golf, and it's given a, so much back to me. And one of the things I felt inclined to do was to give back to it and try mm -hmm. to promote people in this business who – I think have contributed in some way or another, and I may be doing that along this journey, but I'm I'm not getting paid to do it. I'm not, but I'm enjoying it, and I'm sure. and I because and, it's given me so much, and and so for you to have the passion to be around people, to serve people, to do things uh, for good, to work with others, to grow a business. I mean, you know, ultimately that might lead to financial stability and success and all those types of things that you want. But along the way, you're building blocks of relationships and sure. things that are that that are just priceless. And I think that that's what I believe in is in you is why you got back in and why why I asked you that question is because I knew the answer would be somewhere in, you know, I'm not tied to how much money I make. I'm tied to how I help others. And I feel like that in a roundabout way, that's where I'm getting to in my life yeah. because I'm, you know, I, I struggle with all the other stuff of making a living and paying bills and doing all those things. But when it comes to what I enjoy, it's being doing things like this and, and being with people and helping them and promoting and educating and all those things that, that, you know, not self-serving it's, it's just doing things for other people. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the word impact comes to mind. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can have impact in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I, I was texting with my partner, George, this morning, and um, I had this crazy idea. I said, hey, look, you know, I'm seeing all these things for Black Friday. Should we should we do something, you know, or, or along the lines of Black Friday? And he said, bud, he loves bud. That's yeah. his word, bud. <laughs> Everybody's got one, oh, yeah. bro, bud. Bud, he said, bud. That'd be a great idea if we were a retail business. <laughs> we're a relationship business. Yeah. And you can't sell those, man. Yeah. And I was floored. Because again, I was 
listing a little bit more towards what I thought. You yeah. know, I'm going towards what the world is doing because I'm seeing all these stinking Black right. Friday ads. And thankfully, George said, Bud, we're relationships, man. Yeah. You can't sell relationships. No. You can just grow them. Right. So anyway, thank you, George. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, you know, that's a great, that's a great point. I mean, sometimes it takes – when you don't see things as clearly, it sometimes takes somebody else to, to kind of show you – and and if you if you don't have those people in your life who can kind of bring you back or kind yeah. of help you, then man, I because I, I, I've been there and I, and it's tough and and so that's that's a that's something that everybody I always say that um, you know I, there's a guy I listen to he says the relationships are the new economy and I and and and, and they are and also you know your your net worth is your network mm-hmm. or your network is your net worth right and that's just the people that you surround yourself with and and um, you know those two things are invaluable. Sure. You know, and building business or relationships or whatever. The um, So before we leave the golf topic and, and yeah. some of the things that have – let's talk a little bit about the turf side of things because that's kind of where I – what are some of the things that, that you question or you see or you, you think about when you're when you're in and around the golf game that, that um, maybe I can help you with or that you that uh, you've uh, – you know, we can give some listeners some value on that side? That's a great question. So we um, we get to go to a lot of good golf courses Absolutely. and some really world class golf courses, yep. and we get to be we most of the time we're at, when we are at a big event we're hunkered down with your side, the superintendent side of the business. I imagine you are. <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, golly, you would not believe. Y'all, I mean, mo- whoever is listening that's not a superintendent, y'all would not believe how many hours these men and women put in for an event. Yeah. And then you throw some inclement weather in there, and you double it. For you, sure. The men and women at Old Waverly this summer, they got a deluge of rain. Yeah. I mean, maybe six inches in three or four days or something crazy like that. And I was down there on the front end, and I was down there on the on the teardown. And those poor people were working their eyeballs out. I mean, staying there until midnight, Oof. back at four or something. Yep. And and so one of the things I would say is don't be a jerk to somebody who's mowing. Yeah. Don't be a jerk to somebody who's raking. Yeah. They've got a job to do, and you have, just like anybody else, you have no idea what else is going on. No. No idea. Um, so anyway, all that to say – with all the great golf courses we go to, they're just so vastly different. Mm-hmm. You have the ones that are looking to be super green, and I mean in color, not in the the um, like being efficient. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like uh, electric vehicles and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and. It wasn't until a couple of year, years ago, and I think maybe even you and I talked about it, that just because it's green doesn't mean it's good. No, I've always said that. And I've gotten more and more away from – so growing up in Augusta, our golf course was designed by a guy named Joe Lee, and it was built in maybe 65. And so that was right after I think what people would say would be the golden era of architecture. And mm-hmm. so you had from the maybe 60s to – maybe 2000-ish, of just big green golf courses. Yeah. Like huge. And so now there's, not now, but maybe with, um, 
like I guess the guys with Mike Strands and his crew that started a little bit of a different feel to what golf was and right. maybe more minimalized and and not as much um not as big, not as green. Yeah. And I've just um I've started to look more into older architecture. Yeah. And seeing how look, man, you have a a tee box, you got a fairway, you got some hazards and you got a, a, a green surface. And you do those things well, they don't have to be green. Yeah. And by the way, we all hit the ball too short. Why would you want it soft and green? I want it hard. <laughs> let that thing run. Yeah. That, there's a delicate balance to that. I think oh, yeah. um, there, uh, I, I would tend to agree with you that whenever you make the golf course, whenever you make the golf course where you think that everybody wants it to be, where balls roll in, grasses are shorter, cut tighter, um, <laughs> that some people have different opinions about what they like. You know, green speeds are, you know, typically, um, you know, you have to build your green speeds around your clientele and what you're trying to accomplish. Exactly. Not everybody's a single-digit handicap. And, and those guys are the ones who speak the loudest about whether your greens are slow or, you know, they tend to be the ones that you have to deal with on a daily you know, Right. The, the the seniors who are teeing off every day at you know ten o'clock they're they just want to they just want to be out there and play and enjoying it you know and if it's good it's good but so all these factors kind of come in in terms of playability and how you do things and and so yeah you get uh, you get some people who enjoy firm fast and not so green and you got a greens committee chairman who's like I want everything to be perfect and green and not a blade out of place and you, you know it's a delicate balance the superintendents have a tough job and. Uh, <laughs> It's one of the reasons why it was uh, I've lost some days to my life probably sure. because uh, you just deal with those different things. But it is it is something you and I both play the game, um, and so that gives you a, another perspective. It was sure. one of the reasons why I thought I was successful as a superintendent was just because I kind of understood that I could listen to the golfers and understand because I knew kind of what I was what I was trying to accomplish and just trying to be where. Uh, you can't please everybody is, you know, you just got to kind of find some happy medium. Sure. You know, I think that, um, and again, you, so you had your, your old school designers and then it went towards development and, and houses yeah. and you're selling real estate. And so you're not going to sell real estate to a Brown fairway. You're going to sell real estate to a green fairway. Right. Uh, and th there's been a shift now with minimalization, getting back to the old, Donald Ross designs or Tillinghast or McDonald or whatever it may be with some of these new places. I mean, you go down to Pit South Pittsburgh and you can hardly get a tea time at, yep. at Sweetens Cove. Yeah. And they're doing it a different way. Mm -hmm. And so there'll be that time for the next probably 20 years where that will be the thing to do. And then we'll probably go back to, you know, what it was with yep. the, with the Jones Fazio PGA tour player design yep. where it's big and whatnot, and that's okay. There's an ebb and flow, but to your point a minute ago about we don't we don't um, maintain the golf course for the plus two. We maintain it for the person that's there all the time. You know, it's like like in golf. I mean, we're not gonna hit it. We're not carrying it 300 yards like Brooks Kepka. Yeah, no. You know, we we have to play our game the way we play it. And yeah. so if we try to make golf courses look like they look on TV or our games look like those guys are on TV. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why we're hanging out on a Friday 
me and you looking at this, yeah. right? Because right. we're not good enough to be out there. And, sure. and it's just, anyway, um, I think tempering your expectations and having some idea of what else is going on behind the scenes is what all golfers can, can stand to have a little bit of in their life. Yeah, I mean, we've been hardened off by that as far as our our relationship with golf, and we kind of understand, you know, you and I both know what goes into I mean, from the time a guest steps on the property to their, you know, their whole experience, we kind of know what goes into that. Right. And sometimes those those individuals don't. They they don't know that somebody had a bad day or you had two inches of rain the day before. You you know you you bunkers or you know or what all all the different factors you got to deal with on a daily basis and and to make all that magic happen, it takes it takes a it takes ducks feet. It, it does. You're right. That's a great analogy. <laughs> We'll have to uh, definitely um, use that as as far as I mean that's kind of what we look like you know yeah. on the surface everything looks smooth and then underneath everything's just kind of going after it churning you know it's um it is it's been a great business it's been a great industry I, I and I don't want to harp on it too much because but I know that you and I both have gotten a lot out of it it's what keeps me around it and 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 I don't know what I do on those early morning days I, that's Everybody asks me what what do I miss the most, and those are those are typically at the nice, de- you know, days out there mowing, seeing some irrigation going, just before everything crazy kind of happens. Yeah. You know, those are the days that I that I miss the most. It, you know, I can I, I would I would say that there's a, a a lot of people in my boat about that. Yeah, and I mean there's a there's a tranquility and a peacefulness at the beginning of the day and at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, and um, there's a lot that has to go in for that to happen, you know, for the, all the great stuff that we have in yeah. between those times. Yeah. I had the the pleasure of, um, I've done a couple of USGA events. Mm-hmm. So I've been a, uh, the biggest one was the mid, the women's am I did with, um, out at the golf club when they had it. I helped, yeah, yeah. I helped do the agronomy and all that. But, um, I was the first time I'd ever, the biggest one I ever done, I did the world golf championship, uh, down in Memphis. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. But man, I was talking to Nick and those guys down there, and you know they there's a lot of preparation that goes into it, grandstands and all that stuff that kind of comes in, and and the and the more I talked about that with him, it's like inside the ropes, it's really kind of not so crazy. They got a ton of volunteers, everything's kind of going smooth. It's dealing with all the people and the hospitalities and sure. all the stuff. Like you're like kind of circling back to what you started about, you know, you're dealing with the superintendent because they're kind of telling you where to go and where not right. to go. And that was what I was like, man, I don't know how you do it. Everything, you like, everything else is going smooth. People are where they're going to be. Greens are getting done. Course looks fantastic. And you got 20 people over here driving carts where they're not supposed to be. Sure. I'm like, I don't know. That takes a different kind of well, person. You, and, you know, when um, it was cool when we were tearing down at Old Waverly for the Women's Am, I got to uh, talk to some of the Fox News – or, excuse me, Fox Sports uh, men and women that yeah. were setting up. And the amount of cable that gets run on the golf course, where they can go, where they can't go. They're putting post holes in the ground. They're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. There's an irrigation line. and. And by the grace of God, I think George has only hit one uh, six-inch line at, at Harpeth a few years ago. I imagine so. that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was not a phone call that he was looking forward to making on the Saturday afternoon. No, but, I imagine not. Um, but, yeah, there's just a lot that goes on. Yeah. What what sort of preparation do you guys have for that? I mean, do you, uh, weeks out, and are you talking yeah. to people and getting things? Because I'm sure there's certain things like 
just you know stake driving and all those types of things you've got to kind of sort out sure so we will in an event like that we'll get the We'll either we'll get the bid to do it or we won't. And yeah. if we get the bid, there's spreadsheet after spreadsheet after <laughs> spreadsheet of signage that's needed. And they, the USGA is fantastic. They have a format that's all set up. Yeah, it's all they're, templated. They're um, so we we're just we're printing that out, and then it's a spreadsheet of a checklist. Yep. And we we got a um, we got a uh, is a, a Dodge Ram Promaster van this year. So nice. Stuff everything in there, and um, we bring everything that's on the spreadsheet and yeah. we've probably already with old waverly i mean i played there a thousand times and george has also coming from mississippi state but there's still a you know you go on a, a site visit beforehand and yeah. and see what the golf course holds and get connected with the superintendents and um and then with the usga and so you've got several our, on our side of it we have um the usga we have the superintendents, and then we have whoever the member is in charge. Right. So we have three people that we're trying to <laughs> say, die, you know, bob and weave, and we're parrying, and, and whatever cliche you want to throw in there, but we're just trying to make sure that we're serving the needs of that person right. and, and doing the right by it so that the member in charge, his, his golf course looks fantastic. The USGA, we're meeting and exceeding their expectations. I know, by the way, the superintendent, we're not upsetting him or right. her. Um, because we're driving the golf car the yeah. wrong place or because we need this, whatever. And so there's a lot of stuff that goes on uh, there at the event that's not just digging post holes and putting sure. stuff in the ground, but um, just making sure that we're coordinating because we do have three people that will come to us and say, hey, don't do that, or hey, do this, right. or stop that, or, or start this. And and so there's a, there's a it's a it's a delicate balancing act for sure. Oh, I'd imagine. There's a lot, to, I mean, a lot of logistics that goes into that. So how's the golf game? You playing any still? Still right-handed. <laughs> you hadn't made the switch yet? <laughs> nope, not yet. Yeah. Man, it's all right. I, I feel like the older I get, uh, the better I get. But then it's also because I am um, my expectations are lower. Yeah. Um, and, again, it's just you know, I had this idea of what I thought a golf course should be mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's different now. I had an idea of what golf should be 20 years ago, and it's different now, and it's a lot more enjoyable. My yeah. kids are getting to the point where I can drag them out to Harpeth or somewhere and let them hit golf balls with me and bribe them with the Snickers and the Powerade. And, oh, heck you know, yeah. Just having them have fun. Of course, there's probably videos of them cartwheeling down the driving range or wherever. Right. Um, but it's fun, man. I um, I still love golf. Like I enjoy playing golf, but I love hitting golf balls. Yeah, love hitting golf balls and just banging balls on the range. Uh, that's my brother and I grew up doing that. Right, and um, and chipping and putting. I love all that side of it. Yeah, and um, so yeah, I mean it's it's fine. I, I I think if needed, I can break eighty still pretty regularly. Yeah. But um, I, I'm probably not gonna sign up for any uh, amateur events. I I have it in me to want to <laughs> play competitively again, yeah. but. I'm like you. It's just the games. Just I don't play enough right now to be consistent. Sure. And I don't really take it seriously anymore. I mean, it's just kind of being out there enjoying. I'm like, you know, I'm the same boat. I, you know, I I posted this on my uh, I may have Instagram or somewhere, but I shot 68 when I went to see my dad and didn't make a single bogey. And and I haven't had Man. a round like that since college. They call that a clean card. I know. But the day before, I shot 82. <laughs> Isn't it so, so crazy? how is, I mean, two different golf courses. 
So I, you tell me. Yeah. I mean, you know, the game's in there. I, I, I mean, one day it was, it was looked easy. Nothing was hard. Made everything. Didn't have to do a lot. And the day before, I'm struggling to, you know, and can't break eighty. Yeah, I um I played with the same golf ball, zero penalty strokes at Sweetens the other day. We took a group of guys from yeah. Tupelo down there. Same golf ball, no penalty strokes, and uh, I could only make it for nine holes. And I think I posted maybe forty three or forty four. I mean, it's just like, who are you, <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde? Yeah. Um, well, that golf course was. It'll was eat wild. you up. Yeah. I think I might have figured it out though. Yeah. That's the you know of course that's a kiss of death with any golfer. Yeah, I think I may have figured it out, but I think I understand the strategy a little bit better. Um, it was pretty cool. Jim Nance was out there the day we were there. Yep. Um, so that was fun. But the um, it's talking about you were talking about the itch to pay competitive events. So I've been we're trying to build up our business a little bit more with the competitive side of it. And this is not a shameless plug. I apologize, but going through the list of these events today yeah. and looking at all the events, these national amateurs and all the courses where they're being played. I'm like, Oh man, that place is sweet. Ooh, that place is even sweet. Oh man. <laughs> what about that? You know? yeah. So there's, so those juices get fly, get, um, get to start flowing. But then of course, you know, being here in Nashville will probably be 25 tomorrow and, <sighs> Weather's jacked out here. Yeah. So, what is your favorite golf course you've either played or been on? Um, man, that's a great question. Uh, give me a. I, I have a lot of them. So, give me some categories. Okay. So, what category? I'll say. All right. Here's the the golf course I would give me a. Here's the golf example. course I would play. If I could only play at one place the rest of my life. Okay. Secession Golf Club, in Beaufort, South Carolina. Okay. I love it. Yeah. It started out as a, it was a Pete Dye originally, and then uh, Bruce Devlin finished it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a fun, fun golf course. It's pretty flat. Uh, there, there's, there's some roll to it. Um, there's not altitude, but there's some, you know, there's some elevation changes on the right. ground. And it's a fun, fun membership. Everybody goes by their first name. President of the club is John. The bartender is Fred. You know, it's, right. there, there's no pretense. There's no pompous. Uh, last time I played, there's been a long, long time, and I got to play with some of the guys from the 1980 um, uh, gold medal winning uh, hockey team. Oh, nice. So that was cool. There were members there. Yeah. And uh, so that would be, if I had one place to play the rest of my life, okay. it would be Secession. Um, as far as nostalgia, my most nostalgic golf course is Palmetto Golf Club, where my I've heard a lot about yeah. that one. Yeah. So my my uncle used to live there um, when he was alive and played a lot of round, went a lot of rounds around that place with my dad, my uncle, and my brother. And so yeah. it's a uh, pretty uh, pretty special. Um, the place where I played that maybe not a lot of people have played. I've had I've played Augusta twice, so yeah. that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I um, was I never I I don't know if I'd have got around to asking you that. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 So the first time was really awesome. Uh, my roommate from college was an assistant down there. And each club, right before the, the season ends at Augusta, each club gets one or two tee times maybe. Um, and my roommate called me and he said, hey, do uh, you want to play at Augusta on May 23rd or whatever? I said, yeah, sure, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, what time? <laughs> yeah. And so it was cool. We got to play the back tees, and that was the first year that they put the Tiger tees in there. I guess uh -huh. that was – must have been had 99. Yeah, 99, yeah, 2000. And, um, and that was a super cool experience. Second time I played was actually even cooler. I got to go down there with a member. Nice. And so the club was open. And that was 
two weeks, maybe three weeks before the event. So the grandstands were up. Tommy Aaron was playing. Uh-huh. Nick Flanagan was out there playing. Um, it was super awesome. Yeah. I bet that's an experience of a lifetime right there. Man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm getting choked up just thinking that it was just, <laughs> it was really, really cool. Yeah. I, w- I could only imagine. I, I, I don't, I don't know if I, I've got two things that I want to do before I, I feel like my game is just where I wouldn't enjoy it. And that's one, go over to England, Scotland, mm-hmm. play golf over there for a good two weeks and try to get on Augusta somewhere yeah. sometime. I mean, I, I, Everybody wants to play it. It's it, you can't. It's got to be on a bucket list somewhere. I sure. don't know if it'll ever happen. I've been. I felt like I've been close. I was real close when I was at the golf club. Yeah, that's right. I had a. I had a few opportunities there, but uh, never never came true. But I got to go do some cool things. But yeah, those are some good ones, man. Is there a is there a favorite architect that you have? Um, you know, I'm just now getting into studying more. I, I've I um I reached out to the Donald Ross Society and got some books from them. I listened to um uh, Bill Corgan interviewed and, and emailed them and they gave me some books to read. And yeah. so um I'd say probably um not to slight any of the guys that are doing it now, but um I've just fallen in love with some Donald Ross golf yeah. courses. Hard I, not to. <laughs> I, I played one um about a month ago called uh, Panama Country Club, I think it was called, Panama Country Club in Lynn Haven, Florida. And uh, 1927, Donald Ross, I talked to the superintendent, and before Hurricane Michael last year, there was 4,500 more trees on that golf course. Wow. They lost 4,500 trees. But when I was there, you could see the entire expanse of the cl- of the course. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show you don't have to have a super long golf course no. for it to be difficult. And it can be enjoyable too. Yeah. And um, man, I played twice. Yeah. I went I, I, first tee time both times. I played in like two hours, and it was. So if it's ever for sale, y'all hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I want to be a golf course owner one day. I've made that. I've said that I know, a couple I of times, that. but never really came up. But I'm like you. I, I'm. I believe that golf has gotten. Golf got a little overgrown, a little sure. overbuilt. Uh, you know, I've had a couple of conversations with guys, uh, had Ken Mangum, we talked about mm-hmm. earlier, he, he, when he was at Atlanta athletic club and he was talking about when they were looking at the redos of just where bunker placements was and how it went from like two, uh, bunkers were set at two forty, two forty five, I think to out past three thirty. Sure. you know, now, you know, trying to hone in all the, you know, the, the players, I'm like, man, that, that just, that that's just a small group of people that can hit it that far right. and, do, and 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 you have to how do you manufacture the course to make it where everything everybody's enjoying it you know? yeah like, it's not like you can make the 240 bunker go down into the ground for the PGA championship right. and the two and the 330 pop up or, right. or whatnot they're not interchangeable Mm-mm, no uh, I don't know do you remember when we were at golf club and Fazio was coming through to redo some tees and whatnot and I distinctly remember Vandy was out there that day. They're playing number nine, and Luke List, who freaking mauls it. it, yeah. So they're you know they had the normal blue, the normal gold tee, and he freaking hammers one. He's got you know maybe a hundred in. They say, well, what if we did this? And they bring him back to the back of the old blue tee. What what hole is this? Number nine. I'm sorry. Yeah. Number nine. And so for him, that brings that bunker in the left into play, uh-huh. and it brings those trees down the left side into play. But for me and you, that's not. I mean, you know, they got another tee back there now. 
I mean, there's there's like a tee back 30 yards. Wow. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, you – and that's what the – I'm reading – like I said, I was reading these books, that just these essays from uh, C.B. McDonald, Robert Hunter, these guys. They say, look – and now, granted, this is in the 1900s. Golf course doesn't need to be longer than 6,300 yards. <laughs> you need to leave room for technology. You need to leave room for the future. Yeah. But the average golfer – I mean, if you – you start doing the math on it. Like, how far do you hit your seven iron? Like, really, how far do you hit it? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, man, I read a great essay by a guy the other day that said, look, figure out how far you hit your driver and then base your golf course on that. You right. know, it's like 25 times the amount of yardage that you hit your driver and carry. That should be your 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 range. And so his mom played with him one day. And so she's playing a 2,600-yard golf course. He plays with an 88-year-old man the next day, and they figure it out, and he's playing a 2,700-yard golf course. Right. Well, the guy makes his first birdie in two years. Yeah. Well, heck, yeah, he's fired up about golf. Yeah, no doubt. You yeah. know, but I'm not going to stand back there. <laughs> now, granted, Luke List is a PGA Tour player now, but yeah. when he was in college, you know, I wasn't going to stand back there at, at three, you know, having to hammer one 330 <laughs> with him then. I ain't going to do it now. Right. So play to where it's enjoyable. Sure. Birdies and beers. Yep, that's that's a great motto. I, I I love it because you know golf has gotten away from. I mean, the, to grow the game, it's got to be enjoyable. Yeah. And there's you know the courses like Sweetens Cove who are, who are taking a different look at how golf should be played. And yes, they've got a unique set of circumstances and they've done things differently. But it's a nine hole facility. They really got creative with their. Uh, greens complexes. Mm-hmm. It's not overly long. No. And and you can just have a blast sure. out there. And and um I don't think you can ever get tired of playing a place like that. Even if you can get into some spots where you're like, I've never had to hit this exactly. shot before. <laughs> you know, I mean I think you got a one what is it, the number four or five, the big par three that number plays four. uh yeah. They they call it something, but uh it's like a hundred yards from the front of the green yeah. to the back of the green. Yeah. You know, you could hit a full wedge yeah. just to get it to the back of the green. So, yeah, I mean, it's just stuff like that. I think is cool, and and uh, like you said, uh, golf may gravitate towards that mm-hmm. and get away from some of this big stuff. They're just not building golf courses like that anymore. Yeah, the uh, the name of the hole is King. King, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. named after the the famous amateur golfer from down that way. Right. Um, coached, I guess, maybe at Swanee. Um, so. Do you follow Will Bardwell on Twitter? I don't. I don't think I do. I don't know. You need to. He does some great essays. Yeah. Uh, I think his, the name of his little essay deal is uh, Laying For or Lying For. Uh-huh. He's probably written maybe half a dozen or more essays. But he. I just read his most recent one. And the guy that he interviewed, I think his name, I'll probably mess it up, Keith Reb. I think yeah. he was a shaper for Core and Crenshaw. Uh-huh. And they just uh, redid Winter Park down in Winter Park, Florida, nine-hole facility. Spent a million, too. Oh. And it, for all intents and purposes, is awesome. Right. Um, but that was one of the things that he said, like what Rob and those guys are doing at Sweetens, like what we've done at Winter Park. Uh, I think I'm messing my cliche up, but you got to get out of the box. Sure. You know, you can't have everything the same. And it's okay that it's quirky. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, ever since um, the first time I played Sweetens, I just think about all these places around here that, hey, what's wrong with nine-hole golf? Nothing. And I got a concept in the back of this little brain of mine that I'm going to bring out one of these days to, a, Me too, to an brother. architect. Me too, That brother. is going to blow people's minds. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll have to talk offline yeah, about that. Yeah, definitely. For sure. 
I don't want to give any secrets away. No IPs coming out today. No, no. intellectual property. No. Well, before we get out of here, uh, I do want to talk about one last thing, sure. non-golf related. I know you're big into, and I and forgive me for not knowing how to introduce it properly, sure. but you do a men's sort of um, group workout. So yeah. Do. So talk about that. Yeah. Um, promote that a little bit and kind of what goes on behind that. Yeah. So we work out with a group of guys called F3. Uh-huh. Uh, it's stands for Fitness, Fellowship, and Faith. Okay. And it's a group that was started in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, out of another group. But basically, their first workout was January 1st of 2011, I think. And uh, they had 34 guys show up. Some of them showed up smelling like 2010. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah, um, And it's morphed from those 34 guys to there's about 15,000 people at least that have done an F3 workout throughout the country. At least one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's upwards of 2,000 different what we call AOs, areas of operation, where you can do a workout. I mean, just down the road in Franklin, they've got, I think, six different workouts. I know in the Nashville area, we've got upwards of 15 or 16. Yep. Uh, and so uh, it's um, it's designed to reinvigorate male leadership in our community. Uh-huh. And we do that through peer-led workout groups. Um they're always outside. They're free. They're open to all men age 18 and over. And um, they're led in a rotating fashion by peers. And they always end with the, what we call a circle of trust. Sure. Basically, some dudes hanging around. We're not going to just finish this workout and walk away. Right. What's, you know, what are we going to do? Well, you know, depending on who's leading, that's what the circle of trust looks like at the end. Yeah. But um, I would say in no small terms did it have a huge impact on me in my life. I, I found F3 um, right as I was winding down a business that I thought I was going to be great in. And yeah. it just, it wasn't the right thing. Uh, and I think my wife would say that uh, had it not been for those guys in F3 that I knew were either depending on me to come lead the workout or I was depending on them to to lead me. Yep. Uh, I think life would have looked a lot different from 2014 on and I've gotten to know some fantastic guys and gotten to meet some great people through that excuse me we've we've walked through divorces we've walked through um parents dying we walked through kids dying uh we just had one of our um stalwarts in Franklin just um he's battling cancer for the fourth time and praise God he just came out of surgery yesterday very successful brain surgery or had some brain tumors removed and um it's just a fantastic group of guys. The design yeah. is, again, we're reinvigorating male leadership. Uh, we're doing it through small peer-led workouts. And it starts with coming out and ringing the bell to work out the first time. To me, even when I've been on IR, I've been sick, I've been doing PT, I'm going out there and doing my stretches just to hang out with the guys. Yeah. If I'm training for a ruck or if I'm training for a long run, I'll start it there where they're working out that particular day particular day so i can either see them at the beginning or at the end yeah because the fellowship piece of it is is very very important it's the glue that it's probably more important than the actual workout a hundred percent and then the faith aspect of it we feel like that if men will come together and do something hard together yeah and they'll have some camaraderie at the end of that 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 means they probably believe in something bigger than themselves and we don't we don't try to espouse our views particularly on anyone outside of the fact that 
Don't be a jackass. Yeah. Believe in something bigger than yourself. You're right. not the king of birds. You're not the king of the world. Right. And it's been really cool to see how people's lives have been changed from that aspect as well. Yeah. Well, that man, that's awesome. You know, the the kind of goes back to the relationship building sure. to how you pour into other people. You know, we can't. Guys are terrible at trying to bottle things in, do it on yeah. their own, and there's just you know I commend you. I, I you know I maybe I'll get involved one day. I've got a lot of things going, and, and it's just all excuses. But I, I I find that to be I pour into people that pour into my sure. life and try to and try to deal with things that I'm dealing with and and wanting to help others because we all got something to offer. Yeah. And nobody's bigger than the 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 team and and those types of things are just vastly important, especially for men. I mean, I know women are a lot better at getting together and talking about stuff and it may be a little bit more violent, it may be over wine, it may right. be you know, maybe doing things that are a little bit different, but guys need that support. And, you know, and they when, whether they're going, whatever they're going through in their life, man, sometimes they just don't want to deal with it. It's much easier to share your heart with somebody that you've been under a log with for twelve hours in the freezing rain in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> no uh, doubt. Then, then you know, even you know, what'd you talk about? Well, he got a new driver. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, how's his family? I don't know. Yeah. Well, what'd y'all do? Oh, we, we hung out playing golf for four hours. Playing golf, okay. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, you know, there's the fellowship aspect of right. golf too, but a lot of times. We're out there doing other stuff. Yeah, and we're hiding what's going on in real yeah. life. I mean, when you dive into somebody and you pour into them and figure out what's actually going on, you know, that that's when you get down to real built relationship building and, and understanding and, and it circles back to the circle of trust. Of yeah. Just, you know, I, I'm, I'm here with these guys. I'm going to pour into them as much as they're pouring into me. That's right. I commend you for that. How does people get involved with it? So we've got a website, f3nashville.com, yep. f3franklin.com. Um, we're on Twitter, f3nashville, f3franklin okay. on Twitter. Instagram is f3franklin, f3nashville. Um, and just, again, hit me up on my – you can hit me up there uh, on Twitter. I'm Sims W. Hill Jr. Okay. And um, you can um, – I'm there about six days a week, and we'll get you connected up. Now, look, I want to, for the record, say that I have invited you out. You have. Okay. You All have. right. Just I need to get that You've, on record. I still have the text message. <laughs> yes. I don't I, – I, and, and I'm a poor friend at not – No, no, no. I, I just I just need, no. for the record, to be – On the record. record to show yep. that you have been invited. I can edit that out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I have full autonomy of the yeah, editing button. That's but. true. <laughs> No, I don't. I haven't. I don't edit anything, really. I don't think I, I have had to once at all. But, well, man, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Thanks, I, I, we probably could sit down and talk for another couple of hours, but uh, they'll probably kick us out of here. But uh, it's thanks. Friday night pizza night at my house. I got to go get pizzas. There you go. Well, and it's freezing in this room too. Yeah, by it is the way. a little chilly. But, I think uh, it's to keep keep you engaged with me. It keep keeps you awake. Your mind it's like the sharp. casino. As it right? is. It's exactly right. <laughs> Without all the alcohol and ringing bells, <laughs> but. Um, Man, appreciate it. Yeah, brother. This has been fun to catch up, and I'm glad we was able to do this. And thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll uh, promote it and push it out. And, and all the stuff you're doing, best of luck to everything. Yeah, man, you too. And uh, as a buddy of mine said, well, let's put a comma on this and come back to it. Absolutely, we'll do that. And everybody, man, that's it. Uh, thanks for uh, Sims for coming on the episode. Uh, check him out at Premier Golf Services. 
for all your uh, marketing and, and signage needs and all your events and everything, um, go back and listen to the podcast. He kind of told you where you can find him. Uh, this is the Making the Turn podcast. We're available everywhere. You listen to podcasts uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at uh, there. And uh, just thanks again for listening, and thanks to Sam's for coming on. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.